Hello, and welcome to the 45th episode of the LI Law Podcast. I am your host, Zahava Schechter. The premise of this podcast is to feature issues, developments, and topics affecting the law and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. If you live or work on Long Island, this podcast on local and state legislative and judicial decisions is for you. Our guest on this 45th episode is Town of Hempstead Receiver of Taxes, Janine C. Driscoll. Please check out the show notes for a full description of Receiver Driscoll's credentials and contact information. Please also keep in mind that we will not be providing legal advice to any specific questions. Receiver Driscoll, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So please tell us about your background and how you came to be the town's receiver of taxes. Well, I I am an attorney. I've been practicing law for 28 years. I went to Fordham Law School and uh, started a career in insurance, defense, and aviation law. I moved around to different firms and just really spent most of my career focused on litigation. I rec- in the last five years, I was appointed village justice of uh, the village of Bellrose. Uh, and I think that probably was a result of my community involvement. I was very involved in the local high school and elementary school uh, as a volunteer and also uh, very active in the Junior Women's Club of Bellrose. I'm a former president. Uh, so I was very focused on community enrichment and community enhancement. And I think that's why I was probably appointed judge. And from there, I just, you know, it, it was a phone call and somebody asked me if I'd be interested in a possibility of a career change. And I was a little nervous about it at the beginning, but I followed through and you know, really haven't looked back and it's been a really great experience so far. Okay, and many of our local and nationally elected officials have practiced as attorneys prior to their election, just like you. And as you say, you were a litigator prior to your election. Are there lessons from your law practice or your time on the bench which you now apply to your town position? Absolutely. First, I, w- I would say three things mainly. First is pay attention to detail and don't don't express an opinion or a conclusion until you have all the facts in front of you. Uh, do your homework and make sure you gather sufficient evidence. The second thing uh, that I definitely learned from mostly from my law firm managing that was to respect my employees and to make sure my employees are comfortable coming to work and that my I'm, I'm available for them, uh, I'm friendly to them, and that they feel that they're in a good position when they come to work every day and that I acknowledge, you know, also I I think it's very important to give people acknowledgement when they're doing a good job and I, you know, try to be friendly, find out about them and really just, you know, it doesn't have to be so informal in the workplace. And I think that was part of the reason my uh, my law firm was so successful is that people wanted to come to work. We know that your title is receiver of taxes and we know that you receive taxes on behalf of Town Hempstead, but what are your duties and responsibilities, and how does that affect uh, everyone who lives, all the residents of Town of Hempstead? Well, yeah, I am the receiver of taxes, and I've, I've learned, uh, actually, from going to Mass a couple, uh, the last few months, really listening to how the tax receivers get a bad rap in the Bible, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to have that label removed. But I, I think that, basically, my responsibilities are to oversee the office, you know, I'm kind of like the chief operating officer of the office. I have to make sure procedures are being followed, protocol is being followed. Again, that the employees are doing what they're supposed to do. I've been uh, blessed with very good people surrounding me uh, so far in the last two months. 
uh, and they've really kind of affected that. You know, we have we have people retiring. We want would like to bring some new people in, new faces. But really, I I think that the number one priority, the m- number one responsibility I have is to be an advocate for the residents, and I have really um, tried to come up. I know Don Claven, the former uh, receiver who's now the supervisor, started doing these tax seminars. So I've continued that. And I really, any opportunity that I I have that I can go out uh, to a specific group, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a formal, you know, meeting. Uh, for example, uh, one of the schools called me and asked me to come in during report card sessions and, and so forth and kind of maybe answer parents' questions about grievances, and I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to take phone calls. People call me. People inbox me on my Facebook page all the time, and I answer them right away. Uh, I make a big effort here to get out into where the public domain is in our office as well, especially during heavy tax collection uh, periods, to get to see the residents and to let them know that I'm here and that I'm not just a face or a name that they write on the check. And I, so I do. I, that is really how I'm I see the job. I don't see the job as just someone that sits back to make sure <laughs> make sure everybody pays their taxes, but just to be an advocate for the residents and, okay. and give them information that they might need. And you referenced your predecessor in this position, yep. uh, Supervisor Clavin. Is there a connection between your position as receiver of taxes and the supervisor's position, or are you really two separate offices with, with well, your own responsibilities? We are two separate offices with different responsibilities, and I don't uh, confer with Don about decisions that we make in this office. However, you know, we worked very well in the past on our campaign, and, and, and so I think it's important to have a free exchange of information. And Don has been nice enough. Uh, a couple of times he's invited me over. We've spoken in his office about, you know, my ideas, uh, new ideas maybe for this office, things that I had a lot of questions. Obviously, I'd never been a tax receiver before, and uh, he was a tax receiver for a long time. So we have a very good relationship. We're we're friends, and I'd like to think that if I had a a problem here that I could go to him, and I I think I could. Uh, So, yeah, so there's no uh, technical overlap. But certainly there is an overlap. The issue of taxes has been in the news, continues to be in the news, and we're going to talk quite a bit about that. It seems that there's a dichotomy between the role of town receiver, that is receiving taxes to pay for town services, and the actions of the receiver in holding seminars to encourage residents to grieve or lower the taxes. It almost would seem to a resident like the county and town are actually working against each other. So I understand that the county, not the town, is responsible for setting the tax assessment role, and that if Nassau County falls short of its obligations to the town of Hempstead, the county has to make up the deficit. So if that is correct, then isn't the town working against itself by encouraging the filing of grievances, which, if successful, reduces revenue to the town? Yeah, I I understand what you're saying, and um, I could see where that would be a perception. Uh, But I think that one one of the things as the town of Hempstead receiver of taxes is, again, I'm an advocate for the residents, and they're the ones that voted me into this position. So my first allegiance is to them. And as a taxpayer, I understand, and I say this all the time at the seminars, I understand their pain, and it's difficult on Long Island. Um, the taxes are way too high. 
and there's not enough accountability about where these taxes are going. So I feel as a government official that I have to advocate on behalf of the residents. And if that means that I'm collecting less, <laughs> you know, so be it. One thing about the county that I will say is that we do not have a lot of overlap with the county. I do not really communicate with them except for when we're receiving the tax roll. Um, and I haven't actually, because I wasn't here for the first tax roll coming in in December. I wasn't sworn in yet. So I, I'm not really, uh, I don't see my office as, um, you know, an operation that's collecting to support the county. We're, we're uh, collecting uh, taxes because we're required to by law. But again, being the receiver of taxes gives me uh, the opportunity to do more. And really, what, I think it's very important to use the platform that I've been given uh, to get out there and meet people. And I try so hard to convey to them how important it is to grieve if they think they are being unfairly assessed. I do not think every single person should grieve. And I stress that at the seminars. You really have to be honest with yourself when you look at your tentative assessment. You know, and I, and I give them a little bit of a, a, a litmus test on that at the beginning of the seminar because you're only wasting your own time, the county's assessor's time, uh, and, and you know, it's really to the detriment of the people that do deserve uh, a fair grievance review. And the deadline to file a property grievance in Nassau County had been March 2nd, but it's now been delayed until April 1st. Was the town involved in that decision to delay the, the deadline date? No, absolutely not. And, you know, it's funny, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I wasn't, and nobody conferred with me before. I actually saw it. Somebody had mentioned that they heard that the time to grieve was going to be extended. And it's till I think it's 11, 11.59 on April 2nd, I believe, which is a Monday. I, nobody conferred with me. And it, at, probably because it's really not within my purview, and I have no jurisdiction over that. That's the county legislature and the uh, county uh, executive. However, at first, I, you know, I was a little bit surprised, but I understand um, that it is really in the interest of the taxpayers, and it's actually been great for me because it's given me an opportunity to add more forums, and that's what we did. Uh, the day after we found out, I spoke to my assistant, and we added a bunch of forums. Okay, and maybe you could tell our listeners, please, what is a property tax grievance? Why should residents file one, and how do they go about doing so? Okay, I'll give you a brief summary of it because my seminars are pretty long. Um, but basically, you receive your tentative assessment from the county assessor's office in January. Uh, they usually go out January 2nd. Um, they're supposed to be mailed out immediately, but most of the time they don't arrive until the end of January, which is fine because there you can get that assessment online if you go into uh, the county website. In any event, what I tell everybody is look at what that assessment is. For example, if your assessment is $525,000, tentative assessment for 21 and 2022, you've got to ask yourself, can I sell my house for that amount? If you can, or if you can sell your house in the ballpark of that amount, ten, give 10, 20,000, you probably should not be grieving. So you're asking basically, is the assessment a good fair market value exactly. for the price? And, and that's exactly what it is. It is the government telling you this is what we think the fair market value of your house is. And sometimes the government's right. For example, I'm not grieving my assessment this year because I think I can sell my house for what the tentative assessment was. However, I have seen many other people's tentative assessments, and some of them shock me. And, and certainly those people should grieve and, and get that assessment to where it should be. Um, because, you know, I, I, we still have, you know, I don't know how those assessments are being arrived at. 
so all we can do is help the uh, taxpayers get the assessments into a range that they can deal with. Okay. And I'd like to refer to two articles I read in, in uh, Newsday. Today, we're recording on March 5th, 2020. In yesterday's uh, Newsday, there was an article entitled Nassau Tax Hikes Projected, in which a number of areas of town of North Hempstead, as well as town of Oyster Bay, are probably going to see increases, according to this article. But certain areas of town of Hempstead, including Uniondale, Hempstead, and Roosevelt, are actually going to see decreases in their taxes, which I'm sure will make residents very happy. Why do you think there's this disparity, why some areas are, are underpaying and other areas are, have been overpaying? Well, I mean, I think, I, you know, it goes back to uh, a few things. One is that there were people that grieved every year uh, for years, and so they, they, their assessments are, are going to be lower. I, I don't necessarily think they should be penalized now for having exercised their rights. And, and people have an obligation. You buy a piece of property, you have an obligation to find out what your property rights are. And that, you know, it's just something that uh, you shouldn't have to rely on the government. There are people that maybe just didn't bother, they didn't understand the process. And so I think that's why there was this reassessment last year. But going back to your question about the lower taxes in Hempstead Town, first of all, the taxes are based on, because the article is talking about the projected taxes, not what the assessments were. So if you think about it, the, the assessments are one thing. The taxes come from budgets. They come from the school budget, the town budget, the county budget. And in certain places, incorporated villages have their own budget, and that would be a separate bill. But as far as what the article talks about, um, the projected tax hike is going to come from the budgets. I can tell you it's not coming from the Hempstead town budget. Um, Clavin has, uh, you know, he said he's going to slash the budget. They already slashed the budget last year. And the county budget actually has stayed within a pretty good range as well. So those that, that rise in property taxes is really coming from the school budgets. Uh, and, and I think it's very, very important for people to get out there where they feel that their taxes are going up and exercise their voice at these school budget hearings that are starting up probably in the next few weeks. Now, for these places where we're referencing where the budgets are going, uh, the taxes are going lower, I can't answer specifically why, but um, I, I, I would think it's because the school budgets are maybe staying within a range that's reasonable, or they, you know, people that might have successfully grieved their taxes last year uh, in those areas and therefore reduced their, uh, you know, re basically reduced how much their taxes were going to go up. But really the bulk of the taxes is the school taxes. So the answer would be that the school budgets must, maybe they're being proposed lower. I I'm not really sure. And to clarify, the town of Hempstead has nothing to do with the school budgets and the school taxes, right? They're, they're two different fiefdoms mm -hmm. and the taxes are determined differently. Yeah, exactly. And we, we do collect the school budgets in our office, though. Um, and then we, as soon as we collect them, we, uh, sorry, the school taxes, people pay their school taxes. We send out the tax bills for the schools April, sorry, October and April, the first half and the second half. So the first bill, the first school bill that's being generated from the big reassessment from last year, which was the controversial reassessment, is going out this October, and that's what that uh, article is referencing. We collect the school taxes. We have no impact on it. But again, just like I don't, we don't do the, you know, we're not, we don't participate in the grievance processes, or we don't look at the grievance applications. We have no connection whatsoever with the county assessor. I have actually never even met the county assessor or anyone from his office. Uh, I think 
we might have met the new liaison at some point. Um, but just getting back to what I was saying, that's all we do is collect the taxes for the schools and then disperse them. But it's, I do tell people at all the seminars that it's very, very important to get online, get your school budget, hearing dates, and show up. Because, uh, you know, although there are many towns where the uh, villages that the taxes are going down, there are a lot that are going up. I know mine went up, and I plan on being at every single budget hearing uh, that, that goes on. Well, I recently received a tax receipt from your office, the first which I think your office has issued, and it occurred to me at that time that many people may not even realize what their taxes, whether town or school district are, especially if those taxes are escrowed through their mortgage, their their lender, because it occurred to me the lender pays the taxes generally, and although I receive a receipt, I never come down to the town to pay my taxes, so maybe that's one area where the town might get involved in at least uh, informing residents prior to uh, the the issuance of taxes. But in any case, I'd like to refer to another article in Newsday. This is as of uh, today's date, March 5th, in which the Nassau County Assessor, Mr. Moog, David Moog, is quoted as saying that key legislation needs to be passed so that the residents of the town of Hempstead or Nassau County in any any case do not get a whammy and that there should be a five-year phase-in period and this is what he said about your office quote getting this passed by April is imperative in order for us meaning Nassau County Assessor's Office to have the time to make sure because you never want to put out tax bills to the town tax receiver that are wrong you can't pull them back And that becomes very crucial. So what is the relationship between the Nassau County Assessor and your office? And I would think that you would think it's very important to make sure that the bills are correct. And further, I'd ask you your position on the five-year phase-in period as opposed to a big whammy this year. Okay. Well, I could uh, first start out with, uh, yes, I agree. One thing I do agree with with, uh, Mr. Mook said is we do not want incorrect tax bills (laughs) because... Most of the time, if there's a problem with the tax bill, he's not going to get the phone call. We get the phone call. Um, so, yes, I do agree with that, and they should be accurate. As far as what, and I think you said the whammy of the tax bill, why is there a whammy? It's The whammy relates back to last year's reassessment. And so I would say to that, what the five-year phase in, you know, and I'm a, I, I I'm not going to comment on pending legislation, but, but I will comment on the effect of what could happen. And the first is that, yes, there, some people are facing a whammy, others are not. But it, in the, you know, the converse of that is what about the people that are facing a big reduction that have to wait five years to get that reduction? And over the course of those five years, there can be another reassessment that might negate what they should have received at the beginning. Um, and so there is the, you know, the converse of it. Again, I don't want to comment. I don't know if it's going to pass or not. I, I can tell you, though, you know, honestly, I have not conferred with any of the county legislators on this. I, you know, I, I don't know that it is helpful for the taxpayers. But, you know, again, that remains to be seen. I, I don't know if he'll be able to get it passed uh, by April. But again, if you want to just refer right back to what we all agree with, and that is a correct tax roll, because it, again, goes back to the residents. They should be able to budget. They should be able to know what their expenses are going to be. And I, I, it really bothers me. I, and I'll tell you, the one thing that I probably should have said early on, the thing that bothers me the most, uh, and it maybe from being the receiver of taxes and really being out there with the residents, is when I hear residents tell me, 
I've lived my whole life here. I've raised my children here. And I can't afford to live here anymore because I can't pay my taxes. And that is a disgrace because these people have contributed to these, res uh, to these communities. I know the uh, senior citizens in my neighborhood or the people who have just maintained beautiful homes who may never have had children have all contributed. And that's why I think Nassau County is a great place to live. I love living here with my family. But it bothers me when people tell me I have to sell my house because I can't pay the taxes because of the reassessment from last year, which really kind of came in like a sledgehammer. So, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of different priorities for me and my office and the people that I work with. I actually work with a great bunch of people, a lot of energy. We really enjoy going out and educating the public. And I, I think it's very important for people to know what their rights are. Exercise your rights. I mean, we're Americans. Everybody's got their rights under the Constitution. Town of Hempstead, you know, we're an old town, big town, a lot of people. Um, so I... I do think that, you know, the residents are first and foremost, and, and being able to pay your bills is, for hardworking, you know, Nassau County residents really should be the priority, um, and that's really, you know, how I see it. And so with the article, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I can be honest with you. I have not conferred, um, but we'll see what happens with it. I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced it's going to pass, but we'll see. And Receiver Driscoll, is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners? I, I just want to say that we are looking forward to the future in our office, and every day we try to come up with initiatives to uh, save money, uh, lower our budget, uh, and really just kind of get as much information to the taxpayers as possible. Uh, one, one thing that we have done since I came into office, uh, my staff and I put together, uh, you know, we, we all kind of realized that maybe security could be beefed up a little bit, and we did that, and we hired a guard. He came in during the heavy tax collection period. I think the residents were happy about that, that were coming in that week. The employees certainly were happy about that. And so I just want everyone to know that we're just really looking to the future, more efficiency, saving money. We are trying to find new ways to get greener. Uh, one other thing that we're looking into is maybe reducing the amount of paper that we put out when we do send the tax receipts. Make sure people who want the envelope, the return envelope, get it, and the people that don't need that aren't going to get it because we're, again, trying to cut costs. Okay, well, that's it for our 45th episode. Thank you so much, Town of Hempstead Receiver Taxes, Janine Driscoll, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you very much. And to our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you are there, please rate us with a review that might start. Two weeks on the LI Law podcast, I heard that plastic bag penalties would go into effect on March 1st. However, a state judge in Albany has signed an order delaying the implementation of the law until April 1st. A coalition of bodega owners and packaging companies sought a temporary injunction to the implementation of the law. The lead plaintiff in the lawsuit is Polly. Pack Industries, a Melville, Long Island company, which employs 300 persons and which says the ban will put it out of business. While this lawsuit is litigated, consumers will still need to pay five cents on paper bags if the city or town or county imposes it, as Suffolk County does now. Nassau does not at this time. We will continue to follow the story and report developments in the weeks to come. The LI Law Podcast informs you about everything Long Island and is your source for local tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.